1: This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Well, fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: Welcome into yet another mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball today. Let me get Scotty up on the screen here so everyone can see that beautiful mug. Today is Thursday, February 17th. I am Frank Stample, of course, joined by Scotty White and... Scott, the MLB and the Players Association are meeting later today when people are listening to this. Apparently, the players have a proposal ready. Now, I'm not going to ask you to place any blame, anything like that, <laughs> but we haven't talked about it in a while. How are you feeling? Has anything changed on your side? Do you, uh, do you still think we are getting a full 162 in here?
1: I do. I do. I, I, I've been saying all along it will always look bleak until there's a deal. And so I'm uh, until it's too late for the season to start on time I am going to stick with the the idea that the season will start on time I think too late is probably like a couple weeks from now so we we still have they they still have time to figure this out and hopefully the pace picks up here with whenever you know when when the players bring this new proposal to the table we'll see there hasn't been a lot of movement on uh on what each side is looking for so far.
0: Yeah, when Rob Manfred spoke spoke to the media last week, he mentioned that four weeks is a realistic timetable for when they strike a deal to when they could start the actual regular season. So, like you said, we've got a few more weeks here. By the end of February, I mean that's really it, right? So that's,
1: that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If they so, don't if they don't have a deal by then, then probably looking at a shortened season or the schedule being restructured in some way. I would guess shortened season is more likely because it's a, it's a, it's a major, so it's a big ordeal restructuring the schedule.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to spend too much more time on this because a lot of people are upset about it enough. And, and rightfully so, I mean, this is supposed to be an exciting time, pitchers and catchers, you know, this is usually the time of year where we get excited about baseball and, and fantasy baseball and rightfully so. But, yeah, I mean, like I'd be lying if I said it, it didn't suck, man. It's you know, usually we're we're getting excited about about games starting up and seeing different lineups and prospects and, and pitchers returning and all this kind of fun stuff. So hopefully they figure something out sooner rather than later. As always, we thank all of you for your emails, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. We actually have some Apple pod uh, podcast review questions as well. So thank you for those. We've reached a point of the offseason where we have Actually, too many questions, so I'm going to try to answer as many of those on my free time as I possibly can, so whatever we don't get to today, once we get past the position previews on the podcast, we'll try to work in some more questions there, but uh, just know that your, your questions are being read, and they've been acknowledged, but we're getting a lot of them, so we do uh, appreciate all of your emails. Let's jump right in, Scotty, and we will start with those Apple Podcast review questions. This one's from Dr. Teeth, Dear Lips,
1: Zoot, Floyd, and Janice. I can't think of what that would be. Sorry.
0: Yeah, we are at a bit of a disadvantage here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. I'm not going to know any it, it, of these, but... Is so, that... Sometimes you can get it... Is that the Muppet Band? That's what it looks like here. That, Minus that, Animal? That is what it looks like. Yes! Yep, good stuff. Yes! Not, I mean... you, yes! could, you I don't e-
1: know where I pulled that one out of. <laughs> somewhere in the recesses of my mind. You could have given
0: me a million guesses, Scott. I... Never. Never would have happened for me. All right, here's uh, the question. A,
1: really, a really true, famous band, if people named the four members of it, I'd have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet Band minus Animal, the most famous of them. I got that.
0: Impressive. Impressive indeed. Unless I am mistaken, I do not see Luis Severino ranked in our CBS Sports rankings. Why is that, and what is your opinion of him for this upcoming season? I have him as a cheap keeper option, but I am unsure. So, uh, the first answer there is that Luis Severino is only relief pitcher eligible on CBS Sports. So if you want to see where we have him ranked, probably more so for points leagues, then you look at our relief pitcher rankings on the site. Uh, But as he makes five starts, he will gain starting pitcher eligibility, and then he will be worked back into our starting pitcher rankings. So if you're looking for him, that's the reason why. Uh, But Scotty, what are you expecting from Severino this upcoming season?
1: He's my favorite of, well... I guess Justin Verlander is my favorite, but taking Verlander out of it, he's my favorite of the Tommy John returnees. I tend to lump Severino together with, with um, Mike Clevenger and Noah Sindergaard. He was the best of those pitchers before he got hurt. It's, it's been the longest since we've seen him for a substantial length of time. We're going back to 2018 since we've seen Luis Severino pitch anywhere close to a full season. And you know he was a clear top 10 type pitcher in fantasy so provided he hasn't lost anything you know his slider was his best pitch that that's that's a pitch that puts a strain on the elbow uh so you know hopefully it's still going to be in top form but you know, i i don't think the cost is is uh I, I don't think the cost uh um understates the risk or anything like that i like i i think he's a fine pick for where he's going on average
0: actually i think the ADP is a little high. It's got one fifty four point five. So he's going around other pitchers that I mean I, I think are actually pretty pretty useful. So who, not, not saying that every other pitchers. Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya, uh, Marcus Stroman. So he's going right around. Slightly those
1: guys. high. Yeah, slightly high. I'd, I'd like to see him go. I think just after that group. I agree, but he has more upside than that group.
0: Yeah, he does. I mean, it comes down to workload, what you're expecting there too. And if you yeah. look at the projections, they uh, there's a wide range of, of innings pitched, so from 122 on the low end to 157 on the high end. So just an idea of maybe what you can expect this season. You know, anywhere from I don't know 20 to 25 starts, something like that for Severino. Of course, you know he has to stay healthy in those starts. Uh, But I think if he does, I I think the actual production will be pretty good for for Luis Severino. Next up, we have, this one's from uh, Huggy Griff. 12 teams, 6x6, Roto League with OBP and quality starts. You use one catcher, four outfielders, one utility bat. I can keep four players for the upcoming season. I'm pretty set on keeping catcher Will Smith in round 11 and Alex Kirloff in the 25th round. Which two of the following would you keep? Joey Gallo in the 12th, Dylan Cease in the 14th, Will Smith, the closer in the 14th, Sean Manaya in round 20, and John Means Business in round 23. Real quick on Gallo. It is an OBP league, so keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, that's... A, that's, Yeah, no, that that makes all the difference. I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, I think I go Gallo in 12 and, and Cease in 14 here. I might... Give up Kirilov and go with Will Smith in round 14, the other Will Smith, the closer. Uh, certainly if it was a 15-team league, I'd do that because the cost of closers is being pushed up so much in that format. But even in a 12-team league, 14 sounds like a pretty good discount for a guy who's you know, pretty safe as far as closers go. I'm not saying there's no way he loses his job, but he was exclusively the closer last year from beginning to end. You can't say that about many relievers. I don't know... That Kirilov, given how few players are kept in this format, I, I don't know that he needs to be a top priority here. As much as I like the upside,
0: yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it's definitely Dylan Cease for one of them for me. Uh, I, you know, I like Sean Benaya more than anyone else on the podcast, so I'm pretty excited about him in round twenty. So, yeah, I like. <laughs> Maybe I I throw Kirloff back and, and take Joey Gallo. Uh, the difference between him and an OBP and a batting average league is is massive. So Massive. I 199
1: think, batting average last year. Clearly horrible. 351 OBP. Yeah, that's, that's
0: really good. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I would throw Kirloff back and I would go with Gallo, Cease, and Manaya, but that's just me. If nothing else, we we do agree on Dylan Cease. This next one's from R. Tomp two four two. 10-team league, I have an issue where my team has a lot of valuable players, but I am having trouble moving them. For example, we have a four-outfielder league. You start a left fielder, a center fielder, and a right fielder, plus just one extra outfielder and three utility spots. I've always wanted to play in a league where you have to use a left, a center, and a right fielder. I don't know why. You say that. It seems interesting I, I to me.
1: I don't think you'd like
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, his outfielders are Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Cedric Mullins, Luis Robert, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Swarber, Aaron Judge, and Jared Kelnick loaded in the outfield. How would you suggest I go about trading some of these players in a deal, two for one or two for two, where I end up with a better overall player? What players should I target with that type of value? So this is a pretty open-ended question, and and typically these are pretty tough to answer on the spot, admittedly. But Scott, maybe of this group, in a uh, 10-team league, I don't know if this is a keeper league. It might be. It sounds like he's keeping these players. Uh, which two do you think could maybe are the best to sell at their at their peak right now that can get you the most in return? Cedric Mullen stands out to me right away.
1: Well, unless he's legitimately what he was last year. True. And then he's kind of a value, if that's the case. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, There's enough skepticism about Cedric Mullins, I think, that I don't know that that's automatically the answer. Uh, Castellanos coming off a career season, and I'm skeptical of his ability to perform at a more neutral park. We don't know where he's signing, but that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Hmm. Not going to trade Trout or Betts in a 10-team league especially. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. I mean, Schwarber is coming off a pretty big year. I know you like him, Scott, but yeah. I do. But it's a ten-team league, and it's four outfielders. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just not sure he's going to be appreciated enough. That's that's tough. How do you? What do you pair with Castellanos to like you? Because it, it being such a shallow league, like you really need to get somebody's attention, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure Schwarber does it.
0: Yeah. So honestly, you probably want to give up castellanos with either cedric mullins or I, I one of luis robert or aaron judge like you got to throw some name value in there
1: but that's so high attention and I, I it's not clear is it five by five league he doesn't say no, it doesn't i say. mean if it's a points league it's easier to give up mullins and robert but if it's a categories league where you need the steals yeah i mean i mean i just might enjoy <sighs> like what about castellanos and no, I'll say it. What about Castellanos and Kelnick? It's a ten-team league. Do we really know what Kelnick's going to be? No. Are we that confident he's going to be a standout in a ten-team league eventually? Are you,
0: We don't. Like, but I would only do that, Scott, if there's people in the league that value him as you know, as this big prospect, right? Of course, like
1: it being a know. keeper league. Like he's still a buzzy player in fantasy, even though sure. he was not very good last year. Uh, so if it's Castellanos and Kelnick for a true like second round type bat, like a Rafael Devers or something like that, that's awesome. Yeah, that might might be unrealistic, but you know, if it's those two for like Jordan Alvarez, I think I'd go for that too.
0: Yeah, but then you have the same problem, right? So many outfielder because it's
1: an outfielder, yeah, you got to think of an infielder, Austin Riley.
0: I was trying to think of maybe someone that you're trying to get on the cheap, maybe someone coming off of a down year, maybe like an Aaron Nola. What do you think about that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So so try it. Try it out. Um, You know, Castellanos and Kelnick, uh, put those guys together. Look, if you really want to, if someone values Cedric Mullins, like the way he's being drafted as a third round pick, and you can ship him off for that value with Castellanos, and I don't know, bring back a borderline first round player or an early second round player, then I would look into that as well. But
1: I, I think you're much more skeptical of Mullins than I am probably. <laughs> and, and and you know part of it is the category need thing. Like it's just Yeah. Power speed guys like that are just they're just hard to find.
0: Mm-hmm. This next one's from Hamilton Woodpeckers. Great name. Thinking about converting one of my leagues to a dynasty format, wondering if there is a standard format or at least a more common one since I've never been in one of these before. I mean it really comes down to preference. Scott, obviously you have experience setting up a dynasty league, but obviously it comes down to First and foremost, you have to figure out uh, I mean, I guess you probably know already if your league is head to head points, head to head categories or or roto. But from there, you have to figure out I mean, do you want it to be a salary cap, auction style? Uh do you want it to be just a snake draft where you
1: yeah. can keep well, I, I what you're talking you know. about? Obviously there's all of that like you would for setting up a redraft league, but it for dynasty specifically, I think you have to decide how much of a role prospects are going to play in this? Are they kept at a lower cost than established major leaguers or the same cost? Because that greatly changes the way they're valued in trades and such. Are, are players going to be kept at cost, at even the major leaguers, at a cost, which would work better in in like a salary cap draft slash auction situation? Then are they just going to be like there's a set number of keeper spots and that's how many players you keep? I prefer... To elevate the value of minor leaguers prospects because that's more in line with real life, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I make them free, basically, while uh, the major leaguers are kept at a cost relative to where they were selected. I, I think that would be the ideal setup for me. And just everybody gets to keep as many players as they have roster spots. They can throw them back, obviously, if they don't think they're worth keeping. Mm-hmm. But that's... that's those are like without getting into the nitty gritty of it. Those are kind of my, um, broad preferences when looking at when, when, when going into a dynasty league.
0: Yeah. I would say the difference between keeper and dynasty, like a keeper league, maybe, you know, five, six, seven keepers. I think once you get into like double digit players that could be kept year over year, then we start to get deeper into the player pool. And that's where, you know, we start to talk about it from a dynasty perspective. So, you know, if, 12 keep 12 players 15 players as many as you want as scott mentioned i think that's cool i think having a farm system you know everyone can keep five or six prospects year over year obviously you know working prospects in in some way shape or form in a dynasty league i i I think that helps again makes the player pool very deep so uh yeah Between those two things, some kind of combination of keeping like 15 to 20 players and and prospects involved. Uh, Sounds good to me. Let's move into some emails. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com is the email address if you want to send something in. This one's from Russ in Maine. No names to guess because this is serious. Whoa. 16-team, 5x5 Roto, auction, keeper league, offensive categories, batting average, home runs. RP? What's RP. I don't know. (laughs) Batting average, home runs, RP, OPS, stolen bases. I don't know. Runs plus? Runs plus RBI? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Anyway, <clears throat> we keep six on a twenty-six player roster, and twenty-two dollar Vlad Jr. is one of my keepers. Also considering keeping thirty-one dollar Matt Olson. I know another first baseman and kind of pricey. Should I trade thirty-one dollar Matt Olson for fourteen dollar Marcus Simeon? That is question number
1: one. Yeah, I'm skeptical of Simeon, but I think you yeah, have to. They're they're being drafted at about the same spot. Simeon is less than half the cost, and he fills. More of a need. I think you yeah, have to.
0: Yeah, even me, who is quite skeptical of Marcus Simeon, I-, I would do that trade as well. Uh, well, there's other options actually. Let's let's fill these out. Keep Olson and slot him at utility. That's we're probably not going to do that. Number three, or just put Olsen back in the draft and stick with these six keepers. I could go with Class A over Matt and so it would be Vlad for twenty-two, Freddie Peralta for six, Brian Reynolds for four, Julio Arias for twenty-seven. Kevin Gosman for 10 and Emmanuel Class A for five.
1: Okay. It's not that's not a bad option either. I, I still think. Yeah. I, I still think I'd keep a $14 Simeon over a five dollar class A, which is what we're which is what this decision boils down to. That is I, close. I, yeah. I, I guess there's the also the thought, well, if you throw Olsen back, you you have a chance to win him back yourself. When if you're trading him, you clearly don't. But you have Vladimir Guerrero, so I'm not sure that would be a high priority anyway.
0: Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm with you. I think. I think I go with Semyon for 14, but it is quite close with Emmanuel Class A for five bucks. That's that's a very good value. This one's from Brandon in British Columbia. Hey Dante, Vlad, and Craig.
1: Second generation Blue Jays players. Uh, you say it. I believe you. Love the pod. My question is in regards to a seven-year
0: running 12-team head-to-head points keeper league with six keepers at the round drafted. 30 rounds, uh, keepers lose half the value each season. Example, uh, a 30th round pick becomes a 15th. The next, anything odd numbered would become, so go from 15 instead of being seven, it would be eight. So we also have a Hmm. six-man farm, which a player can be kept on your major league roster as a 30th rounder the next year as a franchise tag when he's no longer a qualified prospect. My team has missed the playoffs two years in a row and I'm starting to come out of a rebuild. Current set of keepers. Betts in the 1st, Vlad Guerrero in the 15th, Beau Bichette in the 16th, Jose Barrios in the 7th, Zach Wheeler in the 8th, Waskar Noah in the 30th, and Tarek Skubal is his uh, franchise tag. My question is 2 prongs. Should I swap any of my keepers for Montas in the 3rd, Bregman in the 8th, Soroka in the 15th? Uh, I guess... Hmm.
1: I think you... Honestly, I think he'd swap a Noah for Bregman. Bregman. Yeah. I just I think that's fair. I don't see Noah as a long term option for the Braves, really. I think I think he gave them a nice boost last year, but I, I just don't think he's good enough. You know, the arsenal is varied enough for him to to hold off some of the other pitching prospects coming up, like Kyle Muller or even like Tucker Davidson, who got a World Series start when Noah did it. So, um, yeah, I just I think it's I think it's 50-50 he's even a useful fantasy contributor this year, much less a long-term keeper for you.
0: I will say the underlying numbers from last year, they love Wascari Noah. He did allow some hard contact, but just in terms of the peripherals, they were good. But you're right, the, the arsenal is not very deep. It's fastball, it's a slider, it's a very good slider, but it's very DeMelson-Lamette-ish. So uh, keep that in mind with Wascari Noah. Uh, the other option is I could also potentially move Mookie Betts and Frankie Montas for an eighth round Shane Bieber. And that would net me the first overall pick in the draft.
1: Whoa. What? Yeah.
0: So I guess instead of having to keep bets for a first round pick, he would have okay. the first
1: overall pick. So bets and Montas for a cheap Shane Bieber. So bets and Montas. Where's Montas? Montas isn't one of his keepers.
0: Well, he That's has me. him as oh, a as a third round third, keeper. Third yeah. Round.
1: Oh yeah, he's too expensive to keep. Okay, so bets and Montas.
0: It is a 12-team points league, so Bieber in I the 8th is yeah, pretty good. No, I think you
1: have to do that, because you'll probably keep Bieber not just this year, but next year as a fourth rounder, or maybe even a year after that as a second rounder, depending on how he bounces back. Mm-hmm. And then you get the best of who's not kept. Yeah, I think i do that deal. Which,
0: yeah, everyone's... A 12-team league, six are being kept, so 72 players. Who's going to be the first overall pick? Obviously, it, it varies. I mean, they're yeah, Could depends. be players that are too expensive to keep. Some, yeah, so.
1: right. Some really good players. There, I think there's a good chance to at least a second round caliber player is available in the draft and probably yeah, a couple first round caliber players will be.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Looking at the keepers too, you already have Vlad who's a first round caliber hitter. You have Bichette who in a points league is a second round caliber hitter. And now you're getting uh, an ace to anchor your team with Zach Wheeler and Jose Barrios and Tarek Skubel. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Let's make that swap, get Shane Bieber, first overall pick. And this is coming from someone who is kind of worried about Shane Bieber. I I would still make that move. We're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, just a reminder, join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. If you haven't already, facebook.com slash fantasy baseball today lots of interesting questions and discussions going on there so if you want to get involved if you have a keeper question a trade question something dynasty related you want to talk about a prospect you post it in the group everyone gets involved some good conversation there again facebook.com slash fantasy baseball today when we return more questions here fantasy baseball today Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so let's jump back in. This one's from Bill in Florida. Hi, Melvin, Justin, and Kate. Uptons. Uptons, correct. Just, just seeing, what you're
1: looking for. <laughs>
0: just seeing what you think. 12 team, head-to-head points, can keep any four players three years in their draft slot. The locks for me, Cedric Mullins in the 21st, Wander Franco in the 13th. I need two more. Ian Anderson, round twenty-one. round 21 for one more year. Dalton Varshow, round 21 for two more years. Jazz Chisholm, round 21 for two more years. Brandon Lau, round 15 for two more years. Gibson would be Kyle, I think. Am I missing a Gibson, Scott? Uh, I think it's Kyle Gibson, right?
1: I think so. Let's
0: see. Uh, yes, it would be Kyle Gibson. There's no other Gibsons when I search on ADP. Kyle Gibson in round 21. Tyler O'Neill in round 21 for two more years. Julio Rodriguez in round 21 for two more years. Uh, okay, so two of these. I think... Mm. T- Tyler O'Neal? It is points he- heads at points, right? My, um, my initial lean is Tyler O'Neal and Brandon Lau. Scott?
1: Yeah. I mean, Julio Rodriguez is tempting. Sure. Especially if you think he's going to be up for the majority of this year and you get him around 21 next year as well. But I think it's just, I think it's getting too cute. The value for O'Neal and, and Lau is too, too great.
0: All right. So we're in agreement. Go with Cedric Mullins, Juan Franco, Tyler O'Neal, and Brandon Lau. This one's from Curtis. I play in a 12-team, 10-by-10 category keeper league. We keep seven players with no penalties. I'm trying to decide on my last keeper between Bregman and Robbie Ray. My keepers are Kyle Tucker, Ozzy Albies, Yordan Alvarez, Brandon Woodruff, and uh Shane Bieber and Edwin Diaz. Do I have a better chance of replacing my third baseman? Should I keep extra arms because pitching is so volatile? Or do you think Ray is done? We definitely don't think Ray is done. <laughs> uh, I don't know that <laughs> he's going to get I don't know I don't know that he's going to get better, but yeah. I think that the environment is better for him pitching. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, there, there, sure. there's some risk, obviously, but I still draft him. Um, all right, Scott. So four, four or five rounds ahead of Bregman. So I think.
0: Yeah, there's he's keeping one, two, three, three hitters, two starters, and a closer. Would you rather make that last one a, a starter to give you three or a third baseman to give you four hitters?
1: You know what? 10 by 10 category league saves are watered down, right? So why even keep an Edwin Diaz? Just it's fair. I mean I, I'd be interested keep, to know
0: what keep. the other categories are. If it's like K per nine, obviously Diaz is great in that too.
1: Yes, but it's still a limited number of innings compared to what the starters are giving you in a in a ratio stat like that. Yeah, I, I don't think you need to keep Diaz. I'd go I, I'd go Ray over Bregman if it came to that, but personally I would also keep Bregman and give up Diaz.
0: Yeah, I would go with Ray as well over Bregman. I still, I still lean Diaz over Bregman, but it comes down to what those categories are. So Curtis, I,
1: I hope I think, I think I hope more categories helps Bregman too.
0: Yeah, because I mean, presumably those would be, I don't know. We're just assuming, but it, it'd probably be yeah. something OBP related or maybe plate discipline related or strikeouts. And obviously that would favor Bregman. It's close. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Ray for sure. Uh, I think I still lean with Diaz without knowing, but, uh, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to go with Bregman. This one's from Nick in Charlottesville. I just joined a four-by-four head-to-head categories league that uses Ron Chandler's Babs format. Plate appearances, home runs, steals, and batting average for hitters, innings pitched, strikeouts, ERA, and saves plus holds for pitchers. What do you see as strengths and weaknesses of this format? So plate appearances, you want volume, so that will lend itself towards leadoff hitters, just hitters in good lineups in general. Uh, home runs, self-explanatory, steals. You know, steals and plate appearances can kind of go together if you get leadoff hitters that can seal bases. Batting average is self-explanatory. Man, I mean innings pitch, Scott, in this climate, it's just it's tough. I mean, maybe you put a little bit more emphasis on, on getting, you know, one or two work horses early in your draft. Just mm-hmm. to make sure it he helps you out with innings pitched.
1: Kind of feel like base stealers like there's there's more like I, I don't think this. well just by virtue of it being four by four, I, I would be less inclined to take a take the un, the intentionally unintentional approach to stolen bases than I'm taking. but beyond that, you know part of it is because the home run guys are more likely to help you in RBI and maybe even run score than the steal guys are. Well, I don't even. But those be, aren't even categories. Those aren't even so, categories, right? Right. So I feel like you have to, you, you know, you, you have to put more weight on steals. That's my initial takeaway. And you put obviously a you could put a lot more emphasis on the um, the volume pitchers like a Marcus Stroman who give you a lot of innings uh, and maybe maybe hold you back in whip. Certainly a ground ball pitcher like that who hold who who has the potential to hurt you and whip more than ERA gets elevated mm-hmm. because whip is in a category. So those, those are probably the biggest things.
0: I think it also, out. I think it also helps those pitchers that you typically target late in your draft, Scott. So, you know, mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright, yeah, that, Zach cranky. Right. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. Like Aaron um, Savali, guys like Hendricks.
1: Yeah. Kyle Hendricks had, had been a very reliable source of ERA before last year. So don't yeah. write him off like everybody seems to be doing.
0: All right, this next one's from Donnie, dear Tina, Louise, and Jean. Hmm, this sounds like something music related. Chris, we need you. Oh no, it's not. It's uh, yeah, there are
1: no, they don't make jeans anymore. So this is, <laughs> I mean, they make jeans like blue jeans, but guys named Jean. So this is a this is an old music reference, if that's the case.
0: So this is a this is an animated television show. I don't watch it. My fiance watches it, and she has told me that it's very good. It's okay. Bob's
1: Burgers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Tina. Of course, Tina. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, know. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I've seen enough of it that I should know Tina.
0: I don't know which one it is, but one of them just has like a hilarious voice whenever she talks. It's, it
1: it just, just cracks
0: me up. Ten team five by five categories head to head keeper league. Ten team five by five categories head to head categories. Okay, three keepers each move up one round each each year. I just said each too many times. It's fine. can be kept for three years. I have Vlad in the fourth, Kyle Tucker in the 14th. Should my last keeper be Tyler O'Neill in the 15th or Teoscar Hernandez in the ninth?
1: Oh. Uh, it should be...
0: 10 teams, so you want the more impactful bat. And for me, that would be Teoscar Hernandez.
1: Yeah, I agree. All
0: right, easy enough. This last one's from Ross, and he has a regulators question, but if you were with us for the podcast last year, you know that I have replaced regulators with fantasy justice, mostly due to copyright reasons because we can't play the regulators' music anymore. I was a big fan of it myself back when I was just a mere listener of this podcast as well. But if you ever have a question about something that's going on in your league that's not necessarily you know, player-related or keeper-related, if you've got a, a fishy commissioner or something's going down with trades or vetoes or anything like that, then you could send it in. Put Fantasy Justice, Fantasy Justice in the subject line of the email, and uh, I'll be sure to get to it, either on the podcast or I'll just answer you myself. But Fantasy Justice is back this season. Our league is having a heated debate on a proposed off-season rule that I would love to hear your opinion on. We play in an auction-style, salary cap draft style, Keeper League, where players kept, increases their value by $5 for the following year. Players undrafted start at $1. The proposed rule is that any player not drafted, waiver pickups, that are kept, start at $15 versus the current $6. Half the league is saying this will reduce the superstar pickups midseason to be kept for nickels on a dollar for years to come, reduce end-of-season prospect pickups, and create an even playing field instead of incentivizing owners who rush to the computer during call-ups. The other half of the league is saying that all owners have the same opportunity to pick up players, and there is nothing unfair about the current setup. Owners should be rewarded for the, quote, effort in their research and prompt selections. Some recent examples. Tatis, Eloy Jimenez, and Juan Soto are currently being kept for $11 and Corbin Burns for $6. All right, Scotty. So, players undrafted start at $1. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The proposed rule is that any player not drafted waiver pickups that are kept start at $15.
1: Right, so... So because the starting salary of a waiver wire pickup is $1, the first year they're kept, they're, si- they're kept for $6. So basically they're saying the starting salary of a waiver wire pickup in this new proposal would be $10. So that the first year they're kept is $15. Like that, that's a big difference. It is $9 difference. I, I had always wondered why someone, why a league might make the keeper cost of a free agent pickup a little bit higher than a late round pick. And, it's It's apparently to reward the foresight for knowing to take a guy in the late rounds as opposed to just you know kind of um, kind of just rolling with the tide by picking him up off the waiver wire and not really having I- any insight over anyone else. You just happen to get to the waiver wire first, so that so that's the justification, and he kind of lays it out here, but you know a nine dollar difference for how much they're kept is. You know, considering that first year at $6, that's already a pretty, pretty sizable sum for a guy who was just picked up off the waiver. I, I don't know. I I don't really see the need for a change. Maybe if you are going to change it, make it $5 starting salary so that the first year they're being kept is $10 instead yeah. of
0: $6. It's just such a massive jump, so… I used to yeah. play in a very similar league to this. It was head-to-head points. It was salary cap style, auction style, just like this. And we always set it up where, from the beginning, the rules were that waiver wire pickups would be $15 the following year. So, I mean, we were already used to that because that's what we played with. But if we started the league at $1 and then tried to increase it later on to 15 that's just a massive difference.
1: Right, right. And there's kind of... There's kind like for the non contenders with the way it's currently set up, they can kind of scout out players for next year that maybe aren't helpful to the contenders and, and kind of they have an objective, which is nice. But if you raise the keeper cost of those free agent pickups, they lose that objective. Um yeah, there I see more downsides to this than upsides. I mean, if you want to make it if you want to even the playing field on on the waiver wire. Like institute weekly waivers. I, I don't know why so many people have a problem with this, but mm-hmm. if everybody knows the time waiver wire y- runs Sunday night traditionally is what it is, and they have all week they have they can catch up. You know, it's it's not just first come first serve. It's not even the night something happens. You have to be on the ball and get to the computer that night. It's, you have all week to to catch up on on uh, on who deserves to be picked up. And then, you know, particularly if it's a fab system, you can, people can outbid each other for them. So there is some, like a strategy element to it. But even if there isn't, even if you just want to go straight waiver wire, that, um, that levels the playing field. And I think gets rid of one of the issues you're, you're trying to get rid of with this, this salary adjustment where it's just because, I mean, I agree with the people who complain about that. Fantasy baseball is not your job, (laughs) you know, like you can't if if you want it to be a rewarding experience for everybody if you want everybody to keep everybody invested you have to make it you have to make it so they can fit it into their lives mm-hmm. so i i don't like free for alls i don't like even nightly waivers if you can avoid it i think weekly waivers is optimal for that um and you know yeah that way, that way it's not just i have nothing to do in my life so i'm going to dominate my <laughs> fantasy baseball league you know
0: yeah, no, I I think that that's a really good point. I think if you're if you want to stick with the format that you have now, just meet in the middle. It seems to be the fairest, you know. If half the league is on one side, half the league is on the other, make it so that a player that's picked up is five dollars, and then the following year they're kept for ten. Feels like that makes the most sense to me. But if you want to go the route that Scott mentioned there, that's called a Fab system. So instead of just a free for all where you could just go add anybody anytime you want, one time per week anybody gets to blindly bid on free agents and you have a set number of money that you spend on these free agents throughout the course of the season. It could be $100, it could be $1,000, whatever you want. And you know, say the first week of the season, a prospect is called up. He's a free agent. And at, you know, at the end of that week, you want to spend $7 out of your $100 budget. If you're the highest bidder, it's a blind bidding process, then you win that player. Uh, and I think typically in this format, that would become that player's salary. So then, you know, they'd be kept the next year for $12. But that's just for this specific example. So keep all those things in mind, but those are different options for you here, Ross. And personally, I feel that Fantasy Justice was served. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.